Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecallendershow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110. 1-800-WBT-1110. And the email is Pete at thepetecalendershow.com, where you can also uh, get the podcast delivered right to your smartphone or tablet. It's free. It comes automatically. Um, and uh, on Twitter, at Pete Callender. So uh, the other day we were talking about the uh, the Charlotte area transit uh, cover-up over uh, derailment. And when people think derailment, yes, they think, you know, train on its side, you know, big mushroom cloud of black toxic gases and such. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, it got wobbly in, like, one of the wheel systems. They call them trucks, um, where it's like the... There's like a plate, and you got all the wheels that are attached with the axles underneath that plate, and then the plate attaches like to the to the train. Anyway, one of those on one of the cars, and there I think there are like three of these, and each one has multiple wheels. So anyway, um, one of them came off the track, so it it one wheel jumped the track, and they identified this problem. This the derailment happened back in May, and they identified the problem as a bearing inside that truck assembly. And when we first did this topic, like, what, two weeks ago, I guess it was, because I was watching a Charlotte City Council meeting, and uh, there was a presentation from the interim CEO, Brent Cagle, and he told the council that this derailment had occurred back in May, and nobody knew that this had occurred. But since May, there's been a a clearing out of the leadership at Charlotte Area Transit, at CATS. The chief executive officer was ousted. Uh, The COO was ousted. I think the comptroller also ousted. Anyway, top three people out. And um, the new one, this interim guy, he's an assistant city manager, he takes over, he walks in, he's been there 90 days, and, and he finds out like two weeks before the city council meeting that there was this derailment that occurred back in May. So he tells the city council. And the, the way he found out, nobody inside Katz told him. He found out apparently because the North Carolina Department of Transportation sent a letter to Katz and said, hey, what are you doing to correct this problem from this derailment? And he's like, uh, what derailment? So CATS is uh, managed, it gets money from the you know half-cent sales tax, uh, or is it a half-cent, or is it a full-cent? I forget. I think it's a half-cent. Um, but it's managed by the Metropolitan Transit Commission, the MTC, right? This is a body that is comprised of an elected official from all of the Mecklenburg County cities, as well as Mecklenburg County. And they're the ones that are supposed to be sort of the board of directors. They're the ones that are supposed to be managing and providing oversight to CATS. Now, CATS does go in front of the city. They get money from the city. They uh, they go and they do regular presentations in front of the city council. 
despite what the mayor pro tem is saying on Twitter today, trying to, you know, claim that they've got absolutely nothing to do at all with cats. He says the Charlotte City Council does not sit nor have a vote on the Metropolitan Transit Commission. Do we talk to or have relationships with the voting members, including the mayor? Absolutely. Is anyone on that board beholden to any individual or group of Charlotte City Council? Absolutely not. Cats is already a regional system, he says. This is what he said on Twitter to uh, somebody who was asking him about this topic. Braxton Winston says, it is governed by a regional board. Council does not have jurisdiction to change operational policies like prioritizing certain routes. Any changes have to be done by the regionally appointed board, therefore affecting the regional system. The mayor pro tem, after securing a big fat pay raise for all of the city council members, now they're paid, what, somewhere north of 50K a year for the part-time job because they say it's totally not a part-time job. Like, all right, well, how about we change them all into districts rather than at large race or at large seats so this way you can have a more manageable workload as a district rep. All the districts, you, you know, you've got 11 members on the body. You could, instead of four at large and seven districts, you make 11 districts or maybe 10 districts with one at large or something, whatever, and then everybody would have smaller districts. No, 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 can't do that. City council cannot do that. <laughs> no, got to have the at-large systems because that's the springboard to run for mayor. Now, I will say Braxton Winston is in favor of more districts. But, of course, now they're going to move forward with this vote. They're going to throw out to all of the city residents to change it, not to a full district system. They're going to add another district. So now we're going to have eight districts and four at-large. So 12 members on the council. Anyway, this guy, Braxton Winston, when they, re, uh, when they won their re-election campaigns and the mayor then uh, assigns everybody to committees on the council, you know, economic development or housing or whatever, Braxton Winston, who did not get the most votes in the election, he was not the votainer. He was not the votainer in the election. Dimple Ajmira was. And breaking with precedent, her fellow Democrats on council installed Braxton Winston as the mayor pro tem instead of her. Whereas tradition dictates that the top votainer gets the mayor pro tem slot. But he got mayor pro tem slot. And then they they reworked the... Uh, the, the committee assignments for him. So rather than having to be the mayor pro tem and all the work that is required of the largely ceremonial position, um, that instead of like loading him up with more stuff to do, in addition to the nothing that he has to do as mayor pro tem, um, they said, you don't even have to serve on any committees. Instead, he would focus on building consensus. So, um, uh, I mean, I don't want to be too annoying about this, but whoop, whoop, whoop. Hey, I've got an alert for you, Mayor Pro Tem Consensus Builder Winston. Here would be an opportunity to put those consensus building skills to work. Right? You're not working on any other committee. You're doing nothing else, right? Except you're supposed to be focused on building consensus. I guess the whip for the mayor, you're the mayor's whip or something. So the mayor is on the Metropolitan Transit Commission. 
So why don't you try to build consensus among the members of the MTC to do the job that they were supposed to be doing before, which is providing oversight of cats? How about that? Just an idea. I'm just spitballing here. The interim CEO, so MTC had a meeting this week. We spoke with David Hodges from WBTV prior to the meeting because one of the members, County Commissioner Lee Altman, raised a lot of pointed questions for cats based on these news reports that came out and the, the divulging of the derailment story. Because at the time, the day that the derailment happened, cats put out a tweet that said there was just a, it was a malfunction. And the concern here is that the bearing breakdown on that train, and we knew this because we talked and people called in, and you know there was I remember there was a master engineer or uh, engineer I forget um, there was a, there was a woman who like her whole family were like railroad family people and like they all they knew exactly what the problem was and they both said this is a problem due to lack of regular maintenance. And that is scary because we have to now get every one of the light rail trains fixed because they had not been undergoing routine, regular maintenance to re-grease the bearings. And so they failed. This one failed on that train, which means all of the other train cars risk failure as well. And for how long? Because the trains were supposed to have gone in for their 10-year life cycle, uh, you know, overhaul maintenance work. And they're behind schedule by two years. This is, this is, this is a big deal. you got a train system that's been running and they haven't been providing the regular maintenance. And my question is, what's, where's the money going? What have they been doing with the money that's been set aside for the regular maintenance? Because I know money has been put aside for the routine maintenance. It's part of the budget. So the MTC met. We'll get you some details on what happened in a moment. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. We are aware of the uh, uh, the online streaming issue. If you can't hear the signal online right now, let me know. <laughs> it's an old radio joke. Uh, we are aware. We are aware. It's across multiple platforms. Uh, so the, the the guys who shepherd the ones and zeros are working on it. Um, let me go over here and get Dean on the program. Hello, Dean. How are you? No, maybe not. Oh, yeah, hang on. Hey. Dean, yes. Okay. Welcome, welcome. Okay. Yes, sir. I can hear you real good. Good. I can now hear you. Okay. Hey, I, there's two things. Uh, one was, uh, I don't understand. I understood everything you said and all those questions you asked right then are the same questions that come into my mind, but who, who is ultimately in charge? I mean, are they, uh, is is who's over them? The North Carolina Department of Transportation, over or, over who? Uh, the trolley people. So you have Charlotte Area Transit System, and yeah, they yeah. they answer to the North Carolina DOT. They answer to the the U.S. Department of Transportation, but the local governing body that oversees them is the Metropolitan Transit Commission. And that's comprised of, like, the mayor of Charlotte, a county commissioner, uh, mayor of Davidson and Huntersville, and, whatever, like, all of the, the surrounding towns and such. But then, then uh, are they a financial entity unto themselves and just get their money from the 
from Mecklenburg or, or, you know, what if, what if the, they said, this is a real mess. We're not going to give you any more money. Does the, se- the, then? the, well, the Metropolitan Transit Commission is in charge of the, the budgets. Yeah. But where's the money come from? The sales the tax, the sales tax collection. And then I believe some of the other, uh, some of the, the towns, I think probably all of them, kick in money as well in order to, because the, uh, I don't believe the half cent tax is enough to fully fund the entire system, right? So you've, you, okay. you probably have, uh, you probably have expenditure or, or allocations rather that are coming from the local governments. I, I would imagine so. I think that's the way it was, you know, 15 years ago when they started up the MTC. So they, they give them, the, the, the county gets it, gives them the money to run it. And then, and then the county doesn't ask, uh, doesn't apparently trail the money very uh, carefully. Well, the MTC is supposed to, the MTC is supposed to do that because the 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 MTC is like one like there is a Mecklenburg County Commissioner Lee Altman, and she is on the MTC. Every every one of the local elected bodies puts one of their members onto the MTC. Okay. Right, so you have got you got nine county commissioners, and one of those county commissioners is the representative on the MTC. You've got eleven Charlotte City Council members and the mayor, and the mayor is the representative for Charlotte on the MTC. You know, Matthews, Mint Hill, Pineville—they all same thing. They all put one of their people. I believe the mayors. I think all the mayors are on the MTC. Okay. And then there's, I believe, the MTC also has a representative from the Department of Transportation. Um, I think it also has somebody from, what was it? There was another entity. I forget what, maybe, uh, yeah, I forget what it was. But it's a, it's a fairly large body. Jeez, Vince, you think I, I could, maybe you're on the committee. I might be. You never know. I might have been, I might have been put on the body. No, I wouldn't have been put on that body. Can I ask one other question? Just of co- about the, the, the axles on the light rail and stuff. Uh, if, if you could ex- logically explain, if, if they're like sealed bearings and stuff, they need to be inspected. Uh, why can't they be inspected here? Good question. If, if they're not, you know, if they're not bad right now, but they just need to be inspected. Um, are, are, are trolley uh, mechanics not allowed out of California or something? Or uh, we raised these questions last, uh, or I guess it was, yeah, I guess it was last week when uh, they said they had to. They had to ship all of these trains all the way back to California to the Siemens facility that manufactured the trains for the work to be done. And it, it, I mean, it seems just really bizarre to me that there isn't another facility closer than literally the other side of the country for us to ship these things over to. You're telling me that like no one else has the capacity to pack some bearings again? Yeah, and and if they if they just need re if if sh- they should have been doing that all along, why can't they just do it now? It's like missing an oil change, so you get caught up. Well, that's and they, look, that's a really good point. Like maybe they haven't been doing it all these years because they haven't had the facility to do it. And they, I don't know, maybe that's the case. Like, hey, well, you know, we didn't do these bearings because we didn't want to ship the trains all the way across the country uh, every single uh, year or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's there. I got a lot of questions still about this. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say because damn it, they they you know. Anyways, well, you have a nice weekend. All right, buddy. You too. All right, thanks, Dean. Yes, sir. Take care. 
I appreciate the call. So the trust level is so low among members of the MTC that they voted to bring on a third party to investigate the derailment, according to uh, the story at WBTV.com. They're going to look at the the derailment. They're going to look at the delayed maintenance. They're going to look at safety issues. The feeling of the MTC is that the faith they had in former CEO John Lewis was misplaced and opinions were split on moving forward or looking back to hold people accountable. I would submit you can do both. You could do both. Yeah, you could have some looking back and you could have some looking forward. You got enough members on the body. Maybe some of them look back and some of them look forward. This is what Brett Winterbull always talks about. The system failed, right? Yeah. So how accountable can we hold these three cats officials? What does that look like? How about we take a gander at that prospect? The guy in charge of cats that allowed this to happen, how about we bring him in front of somebody answer some questions? What about that? All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Mecklenburg County Commissioner. Yeah, sorry. All right. Yeah. All right. Mecklenburg County Commissioner and MTC member Lee Altman said that the dire warnings from the North Carolina Department of Transportation about the blue line leave her wondering if it's okay for people to even ride it. Also, light rail bridges and parking decks also did not receive necessary inspections. Brent Cagle, the interim CEO of CATS, said the city has already hired a contractor to inspect the bridges over the next two to three months and bring CATS back into compliance. Quote, we should expect that there will be other things found. (laughs) Well, that just inspires confidence. Ah, welcome to the program. John Anarella, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Pete. How are you doing? I am doing all right. Uh, Are you, so forgive me, are you still the mayor or are you former mayor now? I am the former mayor of Huntersville. Huntersville, right. Okay. Former mayor of Huntersville. Good to talk with you again. So uh, you've got some experience <laughs> in, uh, in managing the CAT system, right? So is it the mayor of each of the towns? I forget. Is it the mayors of each of the, the, the cities that sit on the MTC? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the few times where we all have an equal vote. Right. And I remember that being a... a a sticking point at the beginning because people were worried, like the Charlotte people were worried that they could be outvoted by all of the six cities. Uh, cause I don't call you towns anymore. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then the towns were obviously mad or worried that, uh, that you could get big footed by Charlotte. So yeah, everybody and uh, the County's got a vote and DOT, right? Did DOT have a vote as well? A DOT has a vote, but they probably haven't been there for four years. Really? Yep. Why is that? Uh, that's a great question. 
know, one of the things that you know, I was pretty much a critic, the only critic over the last uh, five or six years, and uh, they always found money for studies. Hmm. You know, $55 million to study the silver line and the red line twice they spent money on. And, you know, they could never do the little things well or or quickly. So I'm not surprised that some of the big things have been swept under the rug, so to speak. Yeah, well, this seems to me like, and you would know as well, right, there is in the budgets, there is money for routine maintenance. This is part of any operation, right? Absolutely. And so it then raises the question for me, well, where was that money going? If you're not paying people to be doing the the regular maintenance, where's the money going? And I guess you're saying it's going to studies, to study what, expansion? Going to studies. I'm curious why the CFO got fired. Uh, you know, I, I think there's, there's smoke, there's fire. So do you, and, yeah. Yeah, as, as, a, as the one person who kept voting against a lot of the things they were doing, I, I don't want to say I told you so, but I'm not surprised. Right. Uh, well, I'll say it. You told them so. <laughs> I mean, I, this was, uh, this, uh, I'm kind of shocked at the elected leaders being surprised at their own lack of oversight like the the same the the people who are on the mtc that are supposed to be riding herd on this and supposed to be providing the oversight seem to be surprised at their own lack of oversight which is surprising to me (laughs) they are surprised i don't you know i think what happens with elected officials is that they are part-time and they're full-time expert staff and they generally feel uncomfortable pushing back because they're the expert, which, you know, I never had a problem with. But I got voted 8 to 1 on a lot of things, including the budget and a number of the other things over the years. Well, so, and you, yeah, to your point about... Crit- right. Yeah, well, and to your... Oversight. Yeah, if you're the oversight body and uh, it's comprised of people that don't have any actual experience providing oversight, I remember, uh, you probably do too, right, Uh, the late Don Lockman, former city councilman. And I remember he used to give Charlotte City staff fits because he knew how to read a spreadsheet. He was a businessman, right? He He knew how to read a budget. And he would ask them these questions and you could tell like they didn't like the, some of the questions he was asking, and, and a lot of his colleagues had no idea the points he was making because they were they were not experienced in that area to provide that oversight. You're right. <laughs> so what do we do? What do we do now? Well, I mean, I think the, the first good step is for the uh, MCC to do what they were set up to do, is to really push back on any proposals at the top that the MTC has and really question what's going on there. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the I think the hiring of some outside investigators to to look at all of this stuff. I, I, I do have a, a bit of confidence in this guy Brent Cagle. Um, it, it seems like uh, he's. I mean, it seems like he's like he's just like going to let it all out there. It seems like at this point, but I don't know. I know. I know Brent personally. He's great. Okay. He's, he's a good person to have in that position. 
but you got to have to give him some time because I think there's a lot more to come out that he can uncover. Yeah, well, I, I give him credit for saying the thing, for, for divulging the thing about the derailment and then for talking about the, the lack of inspections and the regular maintenance and to prep them by saying there's going to be more. That All of those things inspire confidence in him for me. Yes, and, and you know, as somebody who came into a position many years ago at a, a town that was run by one particular, two particular staffers, you... It takes time for the staff there to feel comfortable to kind of let you know what really was going on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the office uh, politics side of it. More, you know, whistleblowers, so to speak. Right. Yeah. John, I appreciate you. Thanks so much for uh, for the background, for the insight, um, and uh, all else uh, going well for you. What you're up to now? Life is good outside of politics. <laughs> I, that's what I always hear. That's what I always hear from people. <laughs> all right. John Adarella. Uh, uh, all right. Thank you. Former uh, mayor of Huntersville. Thanks so much for your time, sir. I appreciate you. Look, we could have the Charlotte area transit system has problems, but it could be worse. We could be Dutch. I, I don't mean anything against the Dutch, but apparently they got a problem with badgers. Badgers burrowing under railroad tracks. It's actually shut down trains in the northern and southern Netherlands, forcing lengthy cancellations on at least two lines. The line's going to be out of service for at least a week. Earlier this month, badgers also burrowed under tracks near the northern village of Mokwarorum or something. That's in the Friesland province. We all know. Knocking a line out of service until next month when, uh, while workers seek permission to shift the animals because they are protected They are protected animals in the Netherlands, so you can't move them. Even though they are eating away, burrowing away underneath your railroad lines, you can't move them unless you get special dispensation to do so. they got to get permission to move them or disturb their habitat before any repairs can begin. John Voppen, the CEO of ProRail, The company that maintains the Dutch railroads appealed for a speeding up of the procedures. He says that the badgers like digging into the steep sides of earthen dikes that carry many Dutch train tracks. That's bad. (laughs) I I don't know if if you're going to the Netherlands anytime soon, just a heads up. The trains are all, all disrupted due to the badgers. And I don't know if I'd feel too confident getting on any train riding over any of these earthen dikes because, like, what if they don't know that there's some badgers underneath a particular stretch, right? You're not going to know until you either see them or something, or, I mean, are they doing scans? Like, are they doing regular searches along the uh, the earthen dikes? Um, what else here? Oh, two inmates in a Virginia jail primitively made tools to create a hole in the wall of their cells and escape. A preliminary investigation found that the men exploited a weakness in the jail's construction design, which I'm not going to give you, and they used uh, tools made from a toothbrush and some metal object to access rebars between the walls, and then they used the rebar to further their escape. After escaping their cell, they scaled a containment wall around the jail. Authorities asked then for the public's help to help find the guys. I don't know if they 
I don't know what kind of descriptions that they gave out. I don't like because we're on the lookout for two guys that escaped the jail, but we don't want to be accused of, you know, profiling or anything. So we're not going to give you any kind of physical description. Just look for two guys. Well, they found them. They found the two guys. They got taken into custody in um, in Hampton, Virginia, at an IHOP. At an IHOP. Yes, they were they were sitting there eating pancakes, and other patrons recognized them. Now, to me, they re- they buried the lead here. There were actually still people in jail. That to me was the uh, yeah. That to me is the 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 biggest deal of all. That in Virginia, apparently, they still incarcerate some people. I don't know. Like these guys escaped from jail. I didn't think there was anybody left. Um, one guy has been in custody on charges of contempt of court and probation violations, and then one of the other guys, again, no descriptions, um, credit card fraud, forgery, grand larceny, and a probation violation. And so now they're going to face additional charges for the escaping of the uh, from the prison, which again, headline, people are actually still in jail, which is kind of like. Uh, Pinky and the Brain, where they are. They are real. Remember, I'm not talking about, well, I guess kind of I am. Pinky and the Brain, the cartoon mice, right? Do you remember what show it was? Anybody? Animaniacs, very good. Gen Xers were awesome. Um, Police say one of the two went missing from a zoo in central Germany. These are actually... Porcupines. They have two porcupines in the German zoo uh, in Berlin, and uh, they went missing. That's the initial report. They went missing. Brain returned. Pinky is still at large. Uh, This is in the police in Saxony-Anhalt. Called Sunday for the public to keep an eye out for the Indian crested porcupines named Pinky and the Brain. They were apparently porcupine-napped. But one of them made its way back somehow. Well, the brain did. Two six packs of shiner, 99 cent butane lighter, lucky strikes and a fifth of Patron. Ice down that igloo cooler, take a gas at all to do her. I can feel a good one coming on. So when you read further in this AP story, exact circumstances of the disappearance are still being investigated. Because they say there's no way they could have escaped on their own. But hello, it's Pinky in the Brain. Three blondes in a ragtop Mustang Followed us down to the lake And didn't have to think about that too long Skinny dipping in the bright moonlight Situation couldn't be more right I can feel a good one coming on Yeah, we gonna roll now 
good one coming on. I will say the German police, they are hopeful. They say they had a pinky spotted or spotting. It's about six miles away from the zoo. A hiker reported seeing the animal about six miles away from the zoo. They are named after the characters in a popular cartoon series in which two lab mice try to take over the world with little success. Until now. All right, we'll see you on Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone. We're going to get the feeling right. We're going to keep this party rocking till the break of dawn.